Welcome to the Postcast this week, episode 17 with Sean Fairholm and I'm Cassie Stein. Another special guest on the Postcast this week, Sean spoke with PGA CEO Pipa Vakwa about the upcoming PGA Minority Collegiate Championship and a variety of other topics regarding the PGA. Pavakwa, who joined the PGA in 2012, guides the business decisions of one of the world's largest sports organizations serving the association's 28,000 PGA professionals. So let's listen in to that interview right now. All right. So now we welcome to the show Pete Vakwa, CEO of the PGA America. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Sean, it's uh, great to be on here at headquarters. A nice day in, in uh, southern Florida, so nice to join you. We're going to touch on a few topics, but uh, we wanted to start with this week's PGA Minority Collegiate Golf Championship taking place Friday through Sunday on the Ryder and Wanamaker courses at PGA Golf Club in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Pete, since the PGA took full ownership of this event in 2006, there have been so many positive strides uh, taken both on and off the course. Can you kind of uh, share those with us? Well, we're so excited about the championship. So in so many ways, Sean, it really kicks off our championship season. So we always see it as the start of our championship season. To be able to have this championship uh, right up the road in Port St. Lucie, you know, we, we own that property, so that makes it even more significant for us. And as we've talked about, part of our, our strategic plan here at the PGA of America is to do what we can to make golf more diverse, more accessible, really to bring more people, more women into the game, more minorities into the game. And I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of anything that we do that has more of an impact on really shining the spotlight on that than the PGA Minority Collegiate Championship, and particularly with our with our presenting sponsor, Castle Oak Securities. They've been a real uh, active uh a proponent of ours in bringing more attention to this event, uh, helping us increase the number of participants. You know, not only is it a wonderful championship, but we'll have uh, roughly 170 uh, student athletes representing 39 colleges this year. But you know, it's more than golf. We do a career expo where where the students are really uh, we start to educate them not only about what it means to potentially become a PGA of America professional, and I know you're one, Sean, but also uh, other opportunities that they'll have coming out of college. So it's really it's a great week for the student athletes, a great week for the universities, certainly for the PGA of America. And I go back to a wonderful article that Michael Bamberger wrote last year where he called it the most uh, culturally significant event in golf, and, uh, and I'd have to agree with him. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the championship is really, it's, it's also about education with you know the career fair being an essential part of it. And a lot of these young men and women have may have the chance to earn an, an internship or, or one of the nearly two million jobs that the golf industry has. And without a single shot being hit, the importance of this event is is absolutely evident, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, and, and hey, these are all great players. They're all collegiate sure. golfers, and many of them have aspirations to play after college, whether that's on the PGA Tour, the, the LPGA, uh, as a PGA of America professional at a competitive level. A level, but you and I know that that that's uh, that's not easy. Of course. And between having a wonderful college education and also realizing that, hey, you can use the doors that golf has opened for you and parlay that into successful careers. I mean, I always say, when a chance I get, 
that the ability to play golf at a, at a high level, that just really connects you to corporate America. And that's important. And we, and we tell these student athletes that and they see it by the type of people like a David Jones from Castle Oak Securities who will be there and who's achieved so much success in his own right. Uh, and golf, golf allows for those connections and makes those connections. And that's something, you know, we're, we're very proud of. And then you mentioned it when you talk about the over 2 million jobs that are centered around golf. Uh, when you talk about the fact that golf is a, is a $70 billion industry here in the U.S., you know, any chance we get to tell that story of the power of golf, the power of the industry, and the U.S. economy, we do. So being able to tell that story, being able to host this type of championship, having these 170 student-athletes where you just see the energy, the passion, their love for the game, uh, I always make a point of going up and, and watching as much as I can. Uh, I brought my kids with me a few times, and their eyes just light up watching these you know, relatively young people play the game so well, play for the honor of their colleges and universities. And it's just, it's just a really fun, great week for the game and for the PGA of America. We talk a lot about the different segments of golf growing, you know, juniors, women, whatever it may be. Well, right now, currently a quarter of all junior golfers are non-Caucasian, and that's quadruple what that was a couple of de decades ago. So how pivotal is it to have that segment be a, a huge part of golf's growth moving forward? Well, it's so important. I mean, and, and we talk about diversity in the game. Because, Sean, not only is it the right thing to do in terms of, a, of, a, of the moral sense so you know you, you can go home at night and, and put your, your head on the pillow and feel good about what golf's trying to do, but we don't shy away from the fact that it's economically imperative mm -hmm. that golf becomes more diverse. The face of this game has to continue to change. The face of this game has to continue to more accurately reflect the face of American society. Society has become more diverse, and golf has to follow, or golf will be less relevant 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now than it is today. And that's important. So when you see signs about, uh, you know, I think that the number is in the last five years, we now stand that 24% of all golfers are female. I mean, that's a wonderful statistic. Mm -hmm. What you just mentioned about more golfers, and particularly more junior golfers being uh minorities and, and more diversity in the junior game is, is key to the success of the game. And I think it shows that our, our, our junior golf initiatives, our player development initiatives that PGA of America professionals like yourself bring to life every day all across the country in our 41 sections are working. And what we say here at the PGA of America is that our PGA professionals really are the tangible connection between the game and, and just about everybody that plays it here in this country, whether it's a private golf course down here in South Florida or a public venue in the Midwest. Chances are it's a PGA of America professional that's bringing the game to life, making it more enjoyable for you, and really introducing you to it. And so we like these trends. You know, we, we know we're on to something. We know what we're doing is starting to work. We need to do more. We can never rest because it's an ongoing pursuit. But we feel good about it. We feel good about the progress that has been made, but certainly not going to rest on our laurels because we know there's a lot more work to be done. Pete, since your tenure began back in November of 2012, junior golf has been a primary target of, of that growth. Uh, there's been rapid growth in PGA Junior League, uh, Drive, Chip, and Putt with the partnership with Augusta National. The Junior Ryder Cup has been very successful. 
Where do we stand on junior golf participation uh, five years ago uh, and, and now where we stand? Well, the good news for golf is that the overall number of rounds that have been played over the course of the last two years have gone up. Yeah, they haven't gone up significantly, but they've gone up. Mm-hmm. And that's better than being stagnant. That's certainly better than decreasing. The overall number of golfers has declined slightly, but the number of committed golfers has gone up pretty drastically. So I'm not going to shy away from the fact that we certainly have our challenges in the game. We know that people have less time than ever. But again, I think the industry and the key entities in golf understand that we have to roll our sleeves up and introduce programs like PGA Junior League Golf, like Drive, Chip, and Putt that impact kids. So one of the numbers we're very proud of is over the course of the last five years, there's about 600,000 more juniors playing the game, which is wonderful news because we also know that if you pick up the game when you're a boy or a young boy or a young girl, chances are you're going to stick with that game. Sure. And you're going to introduce the game to your friends. You're going to introduce the game to your families. And sure, you might get busy at certain points in life. You go to school, you start your career, you start a family, and maybe you shy away from the game. But, but, but chances are if you start when you're young, like you did, like I did when I started caddying when I was 10 years old, you're going to make golf a lifetime game, a lifetime sport. So the fact that we have 600 or so thousand more kids playing golf than we did five years ago, that means those programs like PGA Junior League Golf is working. And you mentioned the Junior Ryder Cup, you mentioned drive, chip, and putt. And this PGA Junior League Golf, it's something we're so excited about team-based format for kids. Uh, You have a golf shirt with your your number on the back of it. Your PGA of America professional is your coach, is the team manager. It's co-ed. It's a scramble format. And what I love about it, Sean, it's such a non-intimidating introduction Mm. to the game. Because we know golf can be an intimidating game, especially for a young boy or a young girl. And, you know, if if you're a Little League baseball coach... Uh, the, the way the world works, you have some kids who are great athletes and some kids who are not particularly great athletes. And you, you find the great athlete, you'll put him or her at shortstop. And maybe the young boy or girl who doesn't have as much uh, natural baseball talent, you might kind of hide in right field. But in golf, there's no right field. Mm. But with PGA Junior League Golf, you can put the right fielder with the shortstop. And maybe he or she makes a putt, hits a great chip shot, feel, feels the magic of the game, and is just hooked. And so we've seen enormous growth year over year at Junior League Golf. We have our wonderful ambassadors in Rory, Ricky, Michelle, and Lexi. And I guess whenever you can name your ambassadors solely by their first <laughs> names, it means you probably have the right people. So we, we continue to see it grow, and I think it's something. We had about 36, 37,000 kids in it last year, and I think it'll get to 100,000, 200,000 and beyond over the course of the next five to seven years. You talk about some of the great role models that we have uh, professionally in the game, especially on the woman's side. An- another cornerstone of your time with the PGA has been the significant growth in women's golf and uh, the women's PGA championship newly formed a couple of years ago is, is a major part of that. Should we continue to be bullish on, on women's golf and that keep continuing to grow? Yeah, I mean, I think not only is it it's absolutely of paramount importance for the overall health of the game. But you, you, you see it. You see the vibrancy uh, on the LPGA. You see it with our own membership. You see it with the participation numbers we talked about. And I've been in this 
role now for about four and a half years, and I would tell you what I'm personally uh, most proud of is the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. For this organization that's now in its 101st year, when you think back a few years ago, we had a good track record on growing the game with women, on trying to bring more and more women into our PGA professional rank. But we have never done anything on the grand stage nationally or internationally to celebrate the women's game. So to join forces with the LPGA to create the Women's PGA Championship in partnership with the LPGA and our friends at NBC, and then to have the title sponsor, uh, KPMG, who just gets it, mm. has a wonderful track record of women and the advancement of women in their own organization, uh, being able to take this championship to some of the very greatest venues around the country, having the KPMG Women's Leadership Summit, which really talks about motivating and inspiring women to enter into the C-suite. It's just become this great formula for advancement, for success. We kicked it off at Westchester Country Club, which was wonderful. We were at Sahali last year with Brooke Henderson, who had a great champion. And now going to Chicago for the next two years at Olympia Fields and then Kemper Lakes. And we really love where it's headed. And, and it, was, it became very, very tangible to me after Westchester Country Club when I walked into our lobby. And I was always greeted by our PGA champion, our KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, the victorious Ryder Cup team. Uh, our, our PGA professional champion, but now to have our KPMG women's PGA professional right champion right up there with everybody else, that means something for this organization. And when I go around the country and speak to our 41 sections, I hear it time and time again of how proud our membership is that we're doing something this significant in the women's game. In a dramatic playoff with Brooke and Lydia, uh, two of the main uh, role models in our, our women's game going up against it uh, last year is Sahali, a great finish there with Brooke winning. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of women's golf in the news recently, um, some of it fantastic, some of it controversial. Uh, one of those topics we continue to focus on is, is speeding the game up, and, and that goes for all genders and ages and, and abilities. Do you have an opinion on, on what the European Tour has been doing with the, the six-hole matches and, or, and other ways to, to speed up the game of golf? Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've talked to Keith Pelly mm -hmm. about this. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I commend the European Tour. I commend Keith. Anything we can do as an industry to be creative, to be uh, innovative in speeding up the game, I, I think is, is of crucial importance. I mean, as I said, I, I think everybody has to understand that people probably have less free time, less spare time than ever. Mm -hmm. And if we want to grow this game, if we want people to play more golf, we have to show people that, yeah, sure, going out and playing golf on a great golf course for 18 holes with, with three friends, I mean, that's wonderful. That's the essence of golf. That's what makes golf so beautiful and so powerful. But you can have a 30, 60, 90-minute golf experience, and mm. people tend to spend their time, their free time, in those, in those segments. You know, whether it's going to gym class or going to yoga, watching something on TV or Netflix, reading the newspaper, people tend to break down their time in those segments. So, yeah, you can go play 18 holes, you can play 9 holes, but you know what? Take a half an hour lesson from a PGA professional. Go to, a, go to a facility like a Top Golf and, and hit golf balls and have fun for 45 minutes an hour. 
go play two or three holes after work with your spouse or your kids. I mean, a great example uh, I had this past Sunday where my wife and I, uh, we have three little kids. Our, our daughter was at a friend's house, but we grabbed the, the, our, our, our seven-year-old and three-year-old, went over to the Palm Beach Par 3 course that's run by Tony Shadowbear right down the road, and had a wonderful time. Played for about an hour and 45 minutes, uh, went to eat right above it, and just, you know, that, that was golf. We, the four of us played golf. We had a blast. And to me, that's as much fun as... Uh, going out and playing a PGA championship venue uh, because you know, you're with your family, you're enjoying the game, and anything we can do to be smart about the utilization of time, anything we can do to show people that there are so many different ways to enjoy this game, anything we can do to make the funnel into the game as big as possible, to just introduce people to golf in whatever form, and then let the beauty and the power of the game transform them into true, into true golfers. We're not going to capture everybody that goes into the funnel, but the more people that are introduced to the game in some form, the more people that will truly become golfers. And I like what the European Tour is doing, and I think you'll see more and more creativity from the industry as a whole as we move forward. And it would seem there's a lot of uh, latent demand for golf. People who are non-golfers are more interested in it than we've seen in recent times. That has to bode well for uh, experiences like Top Golf and getting into the game quicker in these in these shorter time spans. Well, yeah, we have such an advantage because it's a sport for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You can play it when you're a little, little kid. You can play it to the end of your life. We have the ability that you can not only, you know, we, we, it's one of the few sports where when you're watching on television, you can actually go out and do that afternoon. I mean, I grew up, I played basketball, baseball, football. I played competitively, but, you know, I'm not playing tackle football anymore. <laughs> I'm rarely playing I hope not. <laughs> baseball. Yeah, exactly. But I can play golf. And, you know, mm-hmm. my kids can play golf. My wife plays golf. And we have to remember that. And we have to show people that, you know, golf really can add to your life. And we also have the added luxury that we have this young group of superstars on both the men's side and the women's side at the elite level that are undeniably athletic, incredibly engaging, enjoy the game, enjoy each other's company, and whether you're a 12-year-old boy or girl or a 40-year-old man or woman watching it on TV, you have to be compelled by that when you're watching Ricky and Rory and Jason Day and Jordan Spieth or Stacey Lewis, Michelle Wee, Lydia Ko, Brooke Henderson. That's, that's powerful. So let's have the, the, what, what our PGA professionals are doing to bring the game alive on the grassroots level, what the PGA Tour and the LPGA and events like the PGA Championship and the Ryder Cup do in terms of broadcasting the game to everybody, bring the power of those two elements together, and we should be able to grow this game pretty substantially. You brought me right into my final question for you, talking about the two premier events the PGA runs, the PGA Championship and the Ryder Cup. First, let's talk about the PGA Championship this year at Quail Hollow. What a cool venue with the, the some of the renovations that have been done to the finishing stretch there. What are some of the pros and cons to hosting the event at Quail Hollow? Well, I don't think there are really any cons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a wonderful golf course that has gotten better, and I was just with Johnny Harris last week, and we were talking about it, how excited he is about it, uh, and to, you know, this will be the first time the greatest golfers in the world have seen the golf course in its present form, so we're very excited about that. Uh, Charlotte has been off the charts in terms of, uh, of the fan interest and 
corporate hospitality interests, both uh, locally and nationally. So we've already kind of approached all types of records from a corporate hospitality and ticket sales uh, point of view. And then we always have to get a little lucky, Sean, with a major championship. You know, we have to root for good weather and a great leaderboard, and those are things that you can hope for, but you can't count on. But I think, you know, Kerry Haig, our chief championships officer, will work his magic, set the golf course uh, up so fair and so true like he always does, invites drama, rewards fair play, uh, rewards taking some risks, and, you know, we feel great about it heading heading into the championship season. The last three PGA championships, just coming to my memory, uh, incredible finishes we've, we've had a, with Jimmy Walker winning last year, a Jason Day's heroics on the 18th hole. Uh, we've had that finish in the dark in, in Kentucky with, with Rory winning and, uh, and Jason Day winning uh, up in Wisconsin in 2015. Uh, the, the Ryder Cup, which for my money right now is the, the most exciting event in, in golf. I'm thinking the process employed at Hazeltine will probably be pretty similar to that in France next year. Uh, will there be any changes or tweaks to it? Well, the only thing I would disagree with you on is I think it's the most exciting event in sports. <laughs> not just golf, but, but I'm, I'm admittedly biased. But yeah, that Ryder Cup, there's nothing like it. It's just continued to grow. The interest level, the excitement level has continued to just go off the charts. And... Uh, you know, we, we, we are very happy with the formula we have for our domestic Ryder Cup. Uh, but now we're going on foreign soil. Mm. And our, our friends at Ryder Cup Europe, uh, I think you'll see a lot of similarities. But obviously, you know, they do things a bit differently than we do. They do them remarkably well. But the good news is we know uh, it's going to be a wonderful site just, you know, just outside of Paris. We're going to have two amazing teams that will be ultra-competitive, as they always are. And uh, I can't wait. I mean, we're looking forward to it. We'll be in Paris in 2018 at Whistling Straits in 2020. Then we go to Rome in 22, and then uh, Bethpage State Park on the Black Horse in 24. So we have some wonderful venues coming up. And just to continue to see the Ryder Cup uh, perform at such a high level, it's been an honor and a pleasure for us to work with our captain, Jim Furyk, and uh, we, we feel good about the overall health of Team USA, and, and as importantly, the overall health of the Ryder Cup. Is there any hope that the Junior Ryder Cup may be able to play on the actual course that these events are being contested on? I would tell you, Sean, it's a great question. I, I think there is a great hope for that. I, I couldn't right now tell you exactly mm-hmm. when that will happen. But, but there's conversations we're having. I would tell you personally, I very much want that to happen. I'd love to see that happen. I think the energy of the Junior Ryder Cup would, would help uh, that the early part of the week of the Ryder Cup and make it even more spectacular than it already is. And I think it would be such a neat experience for those amazing players uh, for the Junior Ryder Cup, Team USA, and Team Europe and would even just take it to new levels of excitement and important. So I think it can count on that being something that will happen. It's just a question of exactly when. Pete, thank you so much for your time, and uh, thank you so much for the great work that you do to grow our game. No, I appreciate it, John, and thanks for being a committed PGA professional. We, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you for everything you do.
Thanks again to Pete Bavacqua for coming on the postcast today. Let's do a little recap of last week's winners. On the PGA Tour, it was Brian Harmon who won the PGA Tour's Wells Fargo Championship after making a 28-foot birdie putt on the 72nd hole to claim the title by one. And what a reaction, huh, Sean? By oh, Brian absolutely. Harmon. Yeah. Oh. Breaking the and hearts like- of uh, Dustin Johnson and Pat Perez. Yeah, and the last three weeks, you know, all their celebrations have been great. Harmon, um, Kevin Chappell, and then last week at the Zurich, um, Kevin Kistner and Scott Brown when they chipped in for Eagle. That was, I mean, they've just been great on the 72nd hole. Yeah, great drama recently. Yeah. On the LPGA, it's C. Young Kims, who survived the Lorena Ochoa Match Play Championship when she beat Aria Jutanagar in one up to win her sixth LPGA title. She also moved to number eight in the world. On the European tour, it was the Gulf Sixes that put on a great event. It was the Danes, Thor Bjorn Olsen and Lucas Beauregard, topping Australian Scott Hend and Sam Brazel in the final with a 3-1 to victory. The lights and the pyrotechnics were insane if anyone watched it, but I think that is very refreshing for the world of golf to see that and have that happen. That was so much fun to watch. Yeah, I love the walk-up music, too. Yeah, oh my gosh. And, like, the foam fingers that Andy Sullivan had, and, like, they were clapping. Oh my gosh, it was it was awesome. On the web.com tour was Nate Lashley, who won the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship with a 20 under 268 total for his first web.com tour title. And on the Champions Tour, John Daly, yes, the John Daly and his American flag pants and all won the PGA Tour Champions Insperity Invitational for his first Champions Tour victory. And what a celebration sprayed with champagne. That that image is going to be forever in my mind. I loved it. Oh, and don't forget kissing the Arnold Palmer umbrella that was painted oh. onto the fairway on the 18th hole. Very nice touch, even though he hadn't secured victory at that point. Still a very nice touch. And, of course, the celebration was how how much uh, more John Daly can you, can you get than that? Oh, my gosh. I loved it. It was it was it was awesome. Honestly, all those slow mos that everyone had on Twitter and all the gifs. They were just great. I, I loved it. Um, yeah, let's jump right into the schedule this week. It's pretty light. Uh, Sean, you want to take away with the PGA Tour? Yeah, absolutely. So we only have two events this week on our professional calendar and the uh, Players Championship will take Full precedent this week. I will be in Ponte Vedra Beach from Wednesday through Sunday covering the, covering the tournament. Really looking forward to it. 48 of the top 50 players in the world will be there. This course is notorious for not favoring any style of play. We've had short hitters win here. Bombers have won here. All sorts of styles in terms of swings and, and uh, people who fade the ball, people who draw the ball. Anyone can win here. It's always a fun tournament. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, some of the changes that they've made. The 12th hole is now going to be a drivable par 4. They've added a hazard in between 6 and 7. They have uh, tinkered with the the bunkering at TPC Sawgrass. Should be pretty cool to see all the changes they've made. I was just going to say that, you know, our Ron Green Jr., our PGA Tour insider, wrote about all the changes this week in Global Golf Post. Um, So check that out on globalgolfpost.com. And I'm really excited just to see him, you know, on TV and whatnot. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like in person for you down there. Yeah. And that stretch now, 11, 12, and 13, kind of matches the stretch of 16, 17, 18, which we know is so famous. So it should be a really exciting back nine on Sunday. Hopefully it's close. And hopefully the uh, weather holds out for us and we have uh, some some dry weather in, uh, in Ponte Vedra because we know that in the past there have been some rain delays that have yeah. uh, plagued that event. 
Yeah, isn't that isn't that the truth? Um, the only other event on the pro schedule this week is the European Tour. Um, they are hosting the Open Day Portugal this week at Morgado Golf Resort in Portimao, Portugal. And the one player that is in the field this week that I didn't think was going to be is Canadian Mike Weir. Really? Yeah. Oh. I thought I, you know, I found that very interesting when I went and looked to see who else was playing this mm. week. So, Mike Weir is playing in uh, Portugal. Yeah, he played in Morocco a couple of weeks ago, so he's playing some different events over there. It's good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's jump right into Bingo Bango Bongo then, shall we? Absolutely. All right. Last week at the Wells Fargo Championship, I picked John Rahm to win, and he was close. He was down the stretch. He was there, but um, a few late mistakes, you know, what have you. He finished fourth, so I'll, I'll take that finish. Uh, Paul Casey was mm-hmm. my sleeper. He finished T12. He's always one for a good, consistent finish. And uh, Patrick Reed, I thought he was going to miss the cut. He wasn't, wasn't playing too well, but I guess that team event really helped him. And he also finished T12, you know, tied with Casey and a few others. So um, I, I don't think I get any points this week, but uh, I'll take those finishes. That works for me. Yeah, I thought John Rahm was going to make a run there right at the end. Yeah. Uh, Brian Harmon kind of pushed everyone aside. But, yeah, I like those picks. That was pretty good. I didn't have any success last week. No? I didn't do very, no, I didn't do well at all. I had Kevin Kisner winning. He must have had a hangover from – being in that Monday finish at the at the Zurich because he missed the cut. And uh, I had Julian Edelaine to be my sleeper. He also um, played actually fairly well, but he uh, did not really have any uh, designs on contending last week. So uh, a little bit disappointed. So yeah, n- nothing nothing going for me uh, last week at the, at the Wells Fargo. But I really enjoyed that event. Eagle Point, I have a few friends that actually work in the pro staff there at Eagle Point and they're super excited to have that event so uh i was happy that they kind of got a dramatic finish that was that was fun yeah do you think it'll the wells fargo will ever be back there again i think wilmington could definitely host again i know it was tough to move you know they had uh, permanent terminate staff that had to move there for a few months and it's a smaller venue there's only one road in and out of eagle point so maybe not the most practical but you know, I'm sure they could definitely host it again in the future. And uh, Quail Hollow, you never know. They could be another major host in the future beyond mm-hmm. this year. So they may need Eagle, Eagle Point again at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, rotate between those two courses yeah. or maybe, two, yeah. you know, two, at Quail Hollow, two years at Quail Hollow, two years at Eagle Point. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, definitely. But uh, let's pick our winners, sleepers, and who's going to miss the cut this week. Who do you got winning? Yeah, so uh, this, this is an interesting pick. For me, um, there are a lot of people that I, I, I like this week, and it, it, it's tough. Um, I kind of went back and forth between a, a couple of people. I, I like Sergio a lot, just because uh, he's finished in the top eight uh, three of the past four years at the players. And uh, what, what kind of made me not pick him was the fact that he hasn't played since winning, winning at Augusta. You know, he's played so well this year. And, uh, you know, it's been a while for him playing. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Rory as my, Ooh. as my pick to win. He's been in the top 12 here at TPC Sawgrass the, the past four times he's played at the players. He has a great track record. He's also uh, had three top tens in his past four starts. He was T7 at the Masters. Uh, I know this is not his favorite venue. I don't think it's the favorite venue of most people, but. You know, I think he's going to win here during his career, and and why why not now? 
You know, I, I think he's, he's going to win eventually here. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that pick. Who do you like? Well, maybe a late wedding gift to himself too, right? <laughs> exactly. That's not bad. Um, I'm going to go Justin Thomas. So okay. he's got a, t- he's got a tough pairing the first two rounds, right? He's playing with Rory and Dustin. So I, I think he could prevail um, with his previous play here at TPC Sawgrass, T24 in, in 2015. He was T3 last year, and he can only go up from there. So it's either a tie for second or a win. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's a win. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he he I feel like he needs to get back on track a bit. Um, you know, he had those win- two early wins in Hawaii, and he kind he kind of you know you know it, it must have been fatigue or. You know, he got a little ahead of himself either way, but I, I feel like he's ready to get back on track and, and do his thing this week, and I don't see why he can't do it here. Yeah, he loves that course. Like he tweeted out yeah. yesterday that he thinks it's his favorite design on the PGA Tour. So that always bodes well. Whenever a player yeah. can convince themselves they like the course, that's half the battle. Yeah, and, and I think he played here as a junior in the AJGA um, Junior Players mm-hmm. Championship, and, um, you know, he's just grown he's grown up on it, really, so... Um, I know there are a few changes this year, but I, I think I think he's going to contend and hopefully win and give me my first win of the year. Yeah, you have to like him with that length, especially when they they change the twelfth hole. I think anyone who's longer that help, that helps him out a little bit. That was always a hole where it was more position. You know, you had to hit an iron off the tee and then hit a wedge in. Now mm-hmm. it's a little bit more uh, suitable for some of the longer hitters. So I think uh, looking at players who hit the ball but longer. I, I like them a little more this year. Uh, obviously, it's only one hole, but still, I think uh, it benefits them a little more. Also, they've done some changes around the greens. Like on 11, they've taken out the rough to the left side. So that is going to help players who are going for the green and two help most of the longer players out. So I think uh, Justin Thomas should probably have a good week. Yes, perfect. How about your sleeper? Who you got? I'm going to go with Pat Perez. So uh, So close last week. Second mm-hmm. place. Four top 20s in his last five starts. I uh, I like the way he's played this year. He won in the fall at the LHL mm-hmm. Classic. Uh, he just had a really solid year all the way around. Um, a, a player, I'm not picking him, but another player who I think just has good karma, Lee Westwood. He Because he wasn't in the field and he didn't play last week, but moved right. up three spots into the top 50 in the world. Uh, making him exempt for the players that's always good karma you know when when you like you get into the event somehow that's also why i'm looking at ian poulter brian gay a couple of guys who did not think that they would be in the field because they thought they did not have full exemption on the uh, pga tour so any of those guys who like just snuck in cameron smith another guy who got in late after winning in new orleans any of those guys i think uh you know they could easily have good weeks yeah karma it's absolutely it's good or bad thing for you i guess <laughs> um i'm gonna go graham mcdowell mm. as my sleeper this week um he was t9 last year at tpc sawgrass and then in the fa- in the last few weeks his game has really been coming around he made three straight cuts and they're all top 30 finishes so hopefully he, like i said you know with justin he, i mean he won earlier this year but i really hope gmac gets his game back on track because he was dominant there for a while you know when he won the u.s open and on those Ryder cup teams and i know he got married had a few kids i believe and um i'd like to see him get back in the winner's circle and play well again that'd be nice absolutely yeah 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 very good um who do you have to miss the cut unfortunately i'm gonna have to go with jordan spieth 
Um, he finished T4 here in 2014, and ever since then, he's 0 for 2. Um, and with the new changes to the course, I don't know if it's going to help him any with making the cut here. Mm-hmm. So I- I'm just going to have to go with Jordan. Sorry. Yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm picking Jordan as well, believe it or okay. not. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, for the same reasons you cited, two missed cuts in his past couple of trips here. Uh, yeah, I mean... Obviously, when we pick these guys who are surprisingly going to miss the cut, they could easily win. These are talented yeah. players who any any week can can win. You know, he and he has won that Pebble Beach earlier in the year. You know, so has uh, Ricky and, and and Justin, and a lot of these guys have been able to pick up wins early in the year. So it wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys uh, came out came out and won. But yeah, I think just the changes of the course may, maybe don't suit him quite as well. But like we said before. TPC Sawgrass, I've played it a couple of times, and um, it really does not favor any style of play. You you have to have all facets of your game on point when you're there. You have to be in, in play, first of all, or else you're done. And then you really have to be a, a solid ball striker. And then when you get to the greens... Um, you know, they're, they're pretty tricky to read with how much grain is, is involved. So you have to have all fats to your game working. But I do think that Jordan is, out of, out, of the, out of the top guys, he's the most likely to have a disappointing week, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate because we'd love to see him get back into the winner's circle, even sure. though he's won yeah. once this year. But I, I just don't think it's going to be this week. Yeah, agreed. And that's all the time we have left on the postcast this week. Please follow us on our social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All you have to do is search Global Golf Post and you'll find us. And if you have any topics you'd like for us to discuss, tweet at us. You can find me at, at Cassie Stein 25 and Sean at, at Fairway Fairhome. Until next time, for Sean and I, hit him straight. See you later.